Yeah, give it a hand for that video. That was a good video. It's been awesome where we have been the past few weeks in this series, Miracles. Uh, we have really seen some miracles happen. Uh, how many of you in this room, you accepted Christ during this last month? Just raise your hand. Hand up, hand down. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That is seriously great. I got nervous. Like, anybody? Is there anybody? Yeah. Awesome. That's a miracle. Um, before I get started with the message, I just want to give you an update on Beach Retreat, where we are numerically standing, because uh, we are going to be full come May 3rd. I'm just telling you right now. Come May 3rd, we will be full for junior high and high school. Uh, right now, for high school, we have 140 students signed up, money turned in, ready to roll. In junior high, we have 90 with only around 200 spots for junior high. So that leaves 110 available. So I would go ahead and start getting your packets turned in. Do not let money be an issue. If that's an issue for you, you need to grab a scholarship form in the lobby, talk to one of our staff members, talk to a volunteer. They'll, they know where that is, and they can help you out. If you have a friend, man, and they're like, ah, I can't afford it. Well, hey, we, we really want you to go, and so here's a scholarship form. Fill it out. I'll look it over. I'll call the family, call your family, talk to them, see where we're at, and see what we can do to get you guys there. And so don't miss out on Beach Retreat this year. One thing I'm excited about at Beach Retreat, I don't know if I can say it or not, but I'm excited about it because obviously I'm a winner on the basketball court. We will have um, a basketball tournament at both retreats. And uh, I'll be winning both of those. So it'd be fun if you came and <laughs> what? No, um, pride is, we'll talk about that later. But um, we're going to have a, uh, it'll be awesome. Also, junior high, we got some big changes. Uh, so long are the days of wreck on the beach, okay? I don't know if y'all, high school, <laughs> you're like, what? It was so hot. It was. That's why we moved it inside. So we'll be doing some sort of tribal wars inside. Um, super excited about that. And high school, again, I don't know if I can say these things, but I guess I can. <laughs> so I'm going to. Um, high school, you, you know the amazing food that we always ate under the tent when you go into worship? I mean, it's like, that's why you pay $1,000 is for that food. It's just so good. You know what I'm saying, my man, my brother, I see in the back. Amen. Well, we've done away with that food in the tent, and you will now be eating dinner in your condo at the Portofino. So, <laughs> wow, you're like, you're like, I'm going, I'm in. That was all it took. Not worried about Jesus, the band, Dr. Young, nothing, food. <laughs> so, uh, man, that was great. Brett, come on back up, let's, let's, let's continue in worship. <laughs> man. <laughs> Oh, man. Let's have a moment and pray for that tent. <laughs> I'm trying to get over that moment that you guys went nuts on. Okay, you hated the food. Thank you very much. We also texted you a survey just now on 41411. Uh, we want you to fill that out. We're a little nervous about it because there's a lot of brutal questions on there. Like, what do you not like about me? <laughs> So uh, what do you not like about our ministry? We want you to answer those questions and help us be the best we can be for you and your friends. 
And so please, if you didn't get it, you're obviously not subscribed to 41411. Uh, to do that, text the word either JH students or HS students to 41411, and you'll get tons of fun updates just for you. Uh, your parents, parents in the back, adults, uh, we parents, one word, we parents, to the same number, 41411. Let's start. Let's look at John 2. We're going to talk about Jesus' first miracle, his first miracle. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. I think I say that every time I'm speaking because <laughs> it's all my favorite. Jesus turning water into wine. Why are you whistling like that? <laughs> You're 12. On the third day, a wedding, oh, John 2, verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Pretty cool deal there. Jesus is at a party. Come on. And there's alcohol there. And they ran out. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples has also, have, had also been invited when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding about 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled him to the brim. Then he told them, now draw out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did this. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom and said, everyone bring out their choice wine first, then the cheaper wine after the guests have too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This is the first of his miraculous signs, his miraculous miracles, Jesus performed. He then revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. Father, we come to you, I pray right now that this is all about you, not about me, not about anything cute or funny or great that will make somebody like this church or us, but will have them fall in love with you. Let every word that I say be your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's start at the top, John 2, verse 1. By the way, before this, uh, he goes from a master carpenter, somebody who's making tables that were perfect, okay, somebody who is making chairs that the legs don't break. I mean, can you imagine Jesus being like, like he's the one that's making your stuff? Like Landon Freeman, I don't know if you know him, he's like some like woodsman, whatever, okay, and, and I'll be honest, Brett Heistead, I saw somewhere that he made like a bed frame. I was like, you do everything. Disgusting. You're gross. You sing good. You look good. You got a cool family. You can shoot baskets and sing, and then you make bed frames? Are you God? <laughs> a little too far with the light. I'm sorry. But, but man, if Jesus is making like bed frames, can you imagine what that, I mean, it's like, oh. I mean, wow. I mean, he, that is what he did. He was a carpenter until, uh, for, for 30 years. 
And then after those 30 years, he gets invited to a wedding. Now, I don't know if you like weddings. Like, you're like, I love weddings. I don't. Can I just be honest with you? I'm just being real, all right? You're like, that is so horrible. Just, I'm, I, I don't know why. Let me be myself up here. Let me be real to you. Why do I not like them? I honestly don't know. I really, unless I'm doing them. If I'm doing your wedding, love it. We're gonna have a good time, okay? It's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. We're gonna have a great time. But there's something about weddings. I'm just like, ah, I don't know if it's just because my wedding was like, I was stressed, like really stressed. Why were you stressed? Because there's a hot woman coming down the aisle in a white dress that I'm about to marry. Like, ha! I heard nothing in that moment, no music, nothing. I just saw, and it was like, I started crying. And it brings back memories of that moment. And it was like, anyways, that was free. On the third day, there was a wedding. Jesus is at the wedding. He's there. He's hanging out. He was at a party. I'm sure he was laughing. I'm sure he wasn't over in the corner like, Peter, go dance with the girl. No. <laughs> what is wrong with me? I'm sure that Jesus, man, I'm sure he was out there just doing what I just, being fun, being normal. He was there. And of all days, girls, you understand this. Like, you're thinking about your wedding all the time. You're like, oh, I'm going to have this and this and this and this. You look at Pinterest, and you got like a Pinterest page, whatever that is, like saved forever. When I got married, there was no Pinterest at all. We just kind of had to do it on our own. Erica, she's always like, let's get remarried because we have Pinterest. I'm like, no, that's a lot of money. All right. But of all days, you want things to go right. The wedding is that day. Verse three. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mom said to him, they have no more wine. Verse four. Woman, <laughs> whoa, don't you ever do that to your mama, okay? <laughs> Go clean your room, your room. Woman, you're like, hey, <laughs> your mom says, don't ever say that to me. Jesus did, WWJD. <laughs> no, don't do that, okay? That was a way that they responded to the ones they love, okay? And you're not Jesus, okay? <laughs> What would Jesus do? He wouldn't wear a bracelet that says what he did. Okay. Um, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, I mean, pretty much ignoring him. Like, okay, listen, <laughs> whatever, Jesus. Okay, I, I know what, I know how you came into earth, and I, and I, I you told me how you're going to be out, but. Listen, disciples, listen. You need to do what he says. Woman, why do you bother me now? You need to do everything that he says. Whatever Jesus says, we need to do whatever he says. Because when he tells us to do something, he usually knows what he's saying. And we need to follow that with everything we have. The problem is we get into so much trouble because we're not doing what he says. We think that we at times know more than Jesus, even though we've read it, even though we've heard it, even though we've sang about it, even though we know it. When we don't do what he says, 
you're going to get yourself into trouble. Like, why is my life out of control? I know I shouldn't have done that. Well, do what he says. I mean, that's a big moment. That is the moment of this passage. Do what he says. And maybe you're like, I don't know, I don't know what he's saying. Well, maybe you're not listening. Maybe your mind is so full of other things that you have no time for him. Maybe you're constantly looking at your phone and doing things and hanging out and never da 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 and you're going, you never have time to really stop and listen. Psalm 46.10, my favorite verse, be still and know that I am God. When's the last time you were still and you knew that he was God? Do what he says. And if you want to hear what he's saying, read the Bible, worship Stop filling your mind with all this noise, and he will speak to you. Verse 6, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. What if they didn't fill them? What if they said no? He didn't say please. He didn't tell him how. He said fill the jars with water. Now think about that moment for a second. Is because the disciples know they're out of wine. And Jesus like fill the jars with water. And they're like, okay. If it were me, I'd be like, hey Jesus, they're asking for wine. You want to fill the jars with water. Why? That's why I wasn't a disciple. <laughs> really? Water? They didn't ask any questions. They did what he asked. And they filled it above and beyond what he said. He didn't say fill it to the top. He said fill them. They filled it to the brim. They filled it above and beyond what he asked. How many of us are going above and beyond what we know we should be doing for him? How many of us, when God says, hey, do this, or you know you should do something, you say no, or you say why, or you say I don't have time, or you say I'm over here dancing, or hey, I'm over here with old boy, or you know, I'm, I don't have time for you, Jesus. I'm doing this. That's where your life is chaotic. So they filled it. We have to do the natural, write this down, remember this. We have to do the natural so that he can do the supernatural. We have to take the steps toward whatever it is that he is asking us to do. We have to do the natural, the right here, so that he can do the supernatural. You know, we're all in the world, is all in the supernatural. All in the ghost, all in the, I don't know what else, Bigfoot, I, I have no idea what else you're into. But a lot of questions I get, you know, are demons real? Can they touch you? Can they hurt you? Are ghosts real? Are witches? And all this stuff. And the answer is yes. Supernatural is real. Don't know why you fill your mind with it by going to the movies and watching that crap. I don't know why you go and you, you, you look at that stuff on Netflix or whatever it is that you watch it on. I don't know why you enjoy to watch that stuff. I love scary movies. Why? Because it, because it glorifies the Lord. Really? 
Like the, what you're thinking when you walk out of that movie or when you turn it off or when you go to bed and you're like, did you hear that? I saw this on a movie once. We've all said that. What are we doing? Why? Because that's what the culture does. Because you don't want to miss out. You want to be able to say, yeah, I watched it. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, oh, yeah, I saw it. Are you kidding me? I think sometimes we fill our minds with so much of the supernatural junk that we miss the supernatural good. Because supernatural good is happening all around us all the time and we miss it. It happens in here every single week and we're like, I believe in you. What? No, no, someone, that was good, but someone just accepted Christ. Like, yes! That's supernatural. That's a miracle. We think that miracles have to happen because of something that happened in the past. Miracles happen around us all the time. You woke up, miracle. You drove here, miracle. You passed a test, miracle. There's miracles all the time that happen and we miss it. Because we fill our mind with so much of the negative. Verse eight, then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Notice Jesus didn't touch the water. Notice the water didn't turn into wine until the master got it. Jesus didn't touch anything. Just happened. He didn't like stir it. He didn't like, you know, no, just fill the, take it, wine, pretty cool. He did not realize where it had come from. He didn't know where it came from, but the servants who drew the water knew where it came from. The servants, the disciples, they knew where it came from. He didn't do this miracle to say, Hey, by the way, I'm here at the wedding and <laughs> I'm awesome. I took the no wine and I turned it into a lot of wine. I'm Jesus. I'll be here for the next three years. Peace. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do it. That was really good. That was great. If you missed that, you don't get it. But Jesus didn't do that to say, hey, I'm here. He did it so that the disciples could realize who they're about to start following. So the servants could see, okay. This guy is the man. It shows that when we run out, he was always there to fill us up. Even though you feel like you're at the bottom of the bottom and you got nothing left, I'm telling you right now, when you go to him and you listen to him, he will fill you up. And he will fill you up more than you think you need. So when you're out and you're like, I'm done, I can't take this, you're in a bad place, your mind is junked up, when you go to him, you're worshiping him 24-7, I promise you, he's gonna fill you up more than you even thought you could be full. He took water that is flavorless, the simplest element on earth. He had it go through a hundred different scientific whatever to turn it into wine. He took water, water, and turned it into wine. Why didn't he take some grapes and squeeze them? Make wine. Why? I think there's a few reasons. I think one of them is, is that if he can do that with water and he can completely change, I think he can do that with us. He can take us and he can change you 
from the direction you're going and get you headed toward him. He did it with me. You know, my son, Ayler, he always is yelling, mine, 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 mine. He's three. Everything is his. Our house is his. I say, who's the boss? He say, he is. I say, I'm going to bust you. He say, I'll laugh. Well, <laughs> better ask somebody else. I mean, he, he, he thinks he is the man. I mean, he is. But he's three. Not everything's his at all. He has to go around saying, mine, 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 mine. This is mine. This is mine. This is mine. You know, everything truly is God's. Everything is his. All of it. Everything. Everything we own, everything you see, this place, everything. It's his. And right here we see that God is saying, I just want you all to know that what's about to start happening for the next three years is about to be amazing. And he doesn't have to yell, that's mine, it's mine, mine. Nope. He doesn't do that. Because it is. Are you recognizing that everything around you, Christians, are you recognizing that everything around you is his or you just walk around thinking that it's yours or that it's somebody else's? Because everything, everything is his. When you change your outlook on life and you realize that he really is a big deal and he really did change water into wine, he really did walk on water, he really did wake Lazarus whenever he was dead, he really did take me when I was 13 years old and make me and completely change my life. He really did that, that's a miracle. He really did, uh, some people last week accepted Christ for the first time. It changed their life. That's a miracle. But sometimes we get used to it. We just walk around like, oh, it's not a big deal. No. Everything is his. And everything, if you open your eyes, you can see a miracle daily. Has he done a miracle in your life? Has he taken you and completely changed you from where you were? Has he taken your old, sinless, sinful, disgusting self and changed you and washed you clean so that you no longer will spend eternity away from him? We call that hell. But you will spend, if you've asked him into your life and he has changed your life and he has done that miracle, you will spend eternity in heaven with him and that's real. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that he died on a cross and he rose again. It's a miracle that he died on a cross because it was prophesied hundreds of years before. And then it's a miracle that three days later the tomb was moved and he was alive. And then it's a miracle that he came back and 500 plus people saw him and saw the holes in his wrists and his hands and his feet like, whoa. And it's a miracle that he did all of that for us so that you could spend eternity with him. Have you allowed him to change your life? If not, I want you to tonight. With no one looking.